Okay, we're back again at Mindset Mastery with your host, George Reister. I'm on here with a guy who just touches my heart every time I see or speak to this brother. D. Chance and Barry, we're going to tap into this brother's mind, into his spirit, into his soul, into his vision. And I just want to let whatever he feels like coming out of him today to bless this audience with, to come out. Now, just to give you a little background on myself and Chan, I met this brother because our kids go to the same school. Now, I didn't know who he was because, you know, black people don't usually walk up asking people, hey, bro, what you do? You know, where you live at? And, you know, those left for some other people's conversation. We just want to get to know the real person and just get the chance to tap in and say, you know, hey, I'm interested in you because your spirit connects with mine. And I just want to have some conversation. Let's enjoy our moment here in time together. But as I got to know this brother, I found out this man is deep. I mean, you're talking about writer, producer, director. And then after doing a little bit of digging, and he doesn't know this yet, I found out this brother did some music. What is wrong with this brother? He, I mean, he's so low key. Chad, you got to feel... Just, just bring me up to speed. How did you, your journey in the industry, or just how did it start? Well, first of all, George, thank you for having me, my brother, on 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 your on your program. You know, we outside and we look, both of us in California. We cannot lie. It's <laughs> sunny. It's you know, it's like you know, I don't know what nine o'clock in the morning, a little bit to nine o'clock in the morning here, and yes. it's really nice outside. But the sun is hitting my ball spot. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I don't know what's the, what, I don't know what's gonna happen with the gain in the sun. You know, I don't know. No gain in the sun. I don't know what's gonna happen. But if I lose my mind, you know what happens? It's the road gain in the sun. <laughs> okay, got you. <laughs> oh wow, man. Um, man. I mean, my 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 life's off in the hands of God. I was raised in a religious family, mother's side of the family, very religious in New Jersey. And um, I was from, a, from, from the cradle to when I was walking, started walking, I was always in the church. Hmm. St. John's Church in Newark, New Jersey. I was remember seeing sitting in the in the in the pews as a little boy, little boy, because it was my family's church, and wanting to be in the choir with my aunts and my mom up there singing. <clears throat> so eventually they told me when I was about four or five, I I I I I had so much fuss, they, they just brought me up there with them. Didn't know the words, didn't know nothing. Over my mouth, just, yeah, 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 Jesus love me. Yeah, Jesus love me. All, all that, man. But that has been my base. Black people, the black church, growing up in a black neighborhood, 
in Newark, New Jersey has been my base. Listening and watching my people, our people, good and bad times, grow, disseminate information about ourselves to other black people in the neighborhood, in the community, in the church. I was listening, man. I was listening and watching. I didn't talk a lot, but I was listening and watching. And all that became the bricks to build me up into I, to where I am today, man. Um, listening to music, watching films with my grandmother on South 12th Street in Newark when I was like two, three, four years old until we moved out of our house. And um, she's watching these black and white movies. Yeah. Betty Davis and Clark Gable and Man Tan Moreland and the Marx Brothers and, you know, all, all sorts of things. But they stuck. Those images stuck. And also the music that was played on the radio, on the AM radio at that time. And um, the records that, you know, my grandmother or my parents purchased from the local record store, you know, that played a part. Sam Cooke, the gospel mm. stirs, um, Mahalia Jackson, you know, the five blind boys of Alabama. Oh, wow. Um, you know, so many. And then there was, uh, you know, Jackie Wilson. Yeah, and Chubby Checker with the twist. Right. And then you know, uh, Nat King Cole was a part of that. And then I was hearing Count Basie and Ella and Duke Ellington and and some some Sinatra. Then comes Motown. Right. And in Motown, I'm 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 being split because we moved to East Orange from Newark. I'm being split to listening to Motown. And, you know, and also being on the tip of the, the Woodstock era, you know, so listening to Carlos Santana and Grand Funk Railroad and Jimi Hendrix and, and you know, the Grateful Dead and, you know, all of that, you know, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, uh, all of that. And so, but the neighborhood I grew up in East Orange, we moved to East Orange, you know, I, the guy next door was in the country music guy across the street. Um, my, my, my friend's father, he was in the B.B. King and Bobby Blue Bland, you know, wow. and Muddy Wolves, you know, and around the corner, my best friend, Eric, like he, he had older brothers and sisters. So that was the uh, the Woodstock and the Jimi Hendrix, but also it was the coal train and the miles that I heard, you know. So visually, sonically, I mean, it was all there coming into me, coming into me, grabbing it all, grabbing it all. To I knew at nine years old exactly what I wanted to do at nine. Wow. Wow. So after you encountered that spirit of of knowing where you were going, what direction did you begin to take to achieve the finality of getting there? I knew that I would end up in California. I would be in Hollywood. Okay. That was the vision. When I was watching the cartoons and watching the shows on television in the in the early '70s, I knew I was going to Hollywood. Okay. But I thought, you know, and I was a musician playing the drums at the time. Started playing drums, uh, and I think I was seven years old. Started playing drums, 
And then I went on to play in, we started a band and, you know, we're playing all a couple of jazz things, a couple of funk things, you know, um, blues things. But at one time I thought I wanted to be Sidney Poitier. I wanted to be the next Sidney Poitier. And you smooth I like him now. Nah, man, thank <laughs> you, man. But far from, far, far from Sir Sidney. But so I was going into acting a little bit and, and was forced into doing the acting thing because I was a class clown a little bit. Yeah, you know, there's quite a well, I was a class clown. So one of my teachers in, in I think it was like the fourth or fifth grade made me, maybe third or fourth grade, made me take the lead in a play called Johnny Appleseed, where I had, I had to wear a pot on my head, Johnny Appleseed. <laughs> And I was terrified. Wow. But after I got over that, the first night, because we did it for two nights, two, two, uh, two assembly programs at that time, one for school, one for the parents at night. Once I got over that, and people said, oh, you, you know, you got a little something there. Okay. That's okay. when I kind of became hooked on the acting thing. But it was still the music pulling me this way. The music right. was pulling me this way, and the film was pulling me this way, you know. So it's been a it's been a it's been a decision, man, a hard decision. Mm. Up until this day, here I am in my 60s, and I still have, I'm still being pushed and pulled between music and, and, and film. And I tried to 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 meld the two by doing music videos back in the day. I became a music video director. Yes. Um, we're working with with uh, Shaka Khan and Dionne Warwick and and um, Bobby Brown and, you know, Bugs, uh, Bones, Doug and Harmony and some other, other people, you know, and worked, worked with. And um, I thought that would be the one, but it didn't really satisfy me enough. Okay. It wasn't satisfying enough. So, and plus the whole gangster rap thing was kind of just getting into really big play again. And I couldn't deal with, you know, the characters on the set I was like, I was shooting, shooting my last video, and I, and I looked at the, the, the person who, who was started. I said, I look at the monitor. I said, listen, this is like a damn prison break. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> it was so many rappers and hip hoppers, you know, up in there, man. And they was all thugs and whatnot here in LA. And I was like, you know what? I'm out. I got, that was the last one I did. And wow. um, it turned out well. And I, those guys I met were really, really, really nice and very, very supportive of me. But after that, I, I was done with that the whole thing. Gotcha. Done with the rapping thing. Yeah. Is that what kind so of? Go ahead. So music was was the, like I said, the the, the melting of music, the film thing for me. Um, you know, had some big influences on me. You know in terms of directing and music and, and, and film, you know, influences were like, um, well, music-wise it was Jackie Wilson, James Brown, Duke Ellington, Miles Davis, Ella Fitzgerald, Carlos Santana. Uh, later on, the Jacksons, the Jackson Five, uh, Earth, Wind and Fire, Paul and Funkadelic, Gino Vanelli, mm. Barbara Streisand, um, and a lot of the '60s music, groups okay. like Red, right? Red, mm -hmm. um, the Carpenters, Karen Carpenter and her brother, they were very big, 
Dionne Warwick, you know, I love singers, Luther Vandross, you know, uh, people could really sing Aretha, Shaka, Rufus, you know, folks could really sing, Phyllis Heine. Oh, yes, yes. Gladys Knight, Gladys Knight, Gladys Knight, Gladys Knight. (laughs) Oh, you're bringing back some memories when you bring up those names. And I, I like, Al, you know, Brother Al Green, uh, you know, but then, you know, as songwriting, I was listening to um, the Beatles when it came to the songwriting, uh, Burt Backrack and Hal David. Uh, um, uh, Rock uh, you know, his playing uh, and his composing um, in classical music. Uh, I was digging him in Horowitz. I was digging him uh, playing. And but Miles and Quincy and Maurice White, mm. you know, and George with that funk, you know? Yes. It was, it was a lot of things that were, you know, downloaded into me, George, that was just incredible. And then directing thing, it was, it was, I was attracted to Orson Welles. Orson Welles, was an independent, avant-garde, you know, didn't play the system well, independent right. filmmaker, director, producer, actor. He was thing, and so I was always, you know, that was my 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 my, 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 my go-to director, along with, gotcha. you know, you know, uh, Joseph Mankiewicz, you know, who did uh, All About Eve, mm-hmm. one of my movies and Vincent Minnelli who did a lot of black uh, musicals. Oh uh, yeah. Cabin in the Sky and all those sort of things. Yeah. So and then Francis Ford Coppola of course and Steven Spielberg and you know um, David Fincher. David Fincher, you know, lot lots of lots of cats now. Oh, wow. Spike Lee, Spike, Spike was a big, big, big influence on me also. Definitely. Now when you start to think about venturing into a project. Mm. What is your pro- what is your process for choosing the projects that you choose? Well, that's easy, man. I just sit and God just gives it to me. Mm. I just I get that vision or I get that 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 spiritual shake where it's like, oh man, I got that little hit that like, mm. okay. And usually it has something to do with People who look like us first, right? Like folk, people of color, women, and I just take it from there. I start building upon there, and it's all. But the the, the main thing, George, of everything that I do and everything that I will continue to do, it's all about the healing process. Mm. It's about the healing process of African American people, Black people, people of color, and women, and then everybody else. Gotcha. I'm not saying I exclude non-black people, mm-hmm. but not first on my list. Right. I want to, I want my work to be work that is worldly. And for those who come to the work, that they come with an open heart, open mind, and that maybe someone is healed uh, work that has been given to me mm-hmm. to come out of me to give to you. Um, and I believe that if one person is healed, yes, that's the job that has been done uh, by me, by the mother, father, God, who's given that, 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 
that purpose to me that I give it to somebody else. It would be a process mm -hmm. in his glory. What was the first project that really brought you to a place where people began to notice this brother got something? He's talented. He's got vision. He has a story that needs to be told and told the right way. The first project? Yes. Visually or, or musically? Visually. My, my father's music jazz. Okay. It was my first film that I, I ever, first film I did by myself. Mm -hmm. And that was in the 80, 80s up in Oakland. My father's music jazz. <clears throat> that's when the first time it, it started. The first film, that's when it hit, you know. Uh, and it, it, I think it screened like four times. <laughs> and, I, and I took the film back and uh, <laughs> never showed it again because it, it, it took nine years for me to do the film. Mm. So I, was, I was, you know, as an independent, you, 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 nickels and dimes, nickels and dimes, yeah. and dimes, you know, you know, you, you're paying your boys like, hey man, can you do this for free? Can you do this for free? And, you know, so you it was favors and nickels and dimes, brother. And I put the, it took me nine years to put that, that thing together. So it was a wow. documentary on what I had grown up with or grown up with physically grown up with or grew up with musically. And that was um, uh, Dizzy Gillespie, Miles Davis, Max Roach, Ella Fitzgerald, Nancy Wilson, Oscar Peterson, Stanley Tarantine, Coy Tyner, Shaka Khan, Carlos Santana. And Joe Williams were all in the movie. Oh wow! And um, it showed at the um, Castro Theater in San Francisco back in the eighties, uh, late eighties, early nineties, before I moved to to, to uh, Los Angeles. Wow! And um, felt that I, over that nine-year period that I'm doing this, grown so much as a, as a director and producer that I just took the film back and and, and just never looked at it again until until like four or five months ago. I yeah. found the master. I was like, you know what? I need to recut this thing and redo this thing and put this thing out. This thing would be, because, you know, the majority of the people are in it are, are, are passed on. Yes. Except for, for, for Shaka and, 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 um, and Carlos Santana. Everybody else is gone. Mm -hmm. And this is like archival footage of them giving you their truth and some, some musical performances from these great people that influenced me as a, as a child, as a teenager, and as an adult who, be, who I became friends with. Blessed to become friends with. Wow. So that was my first I think the second one was basically um, um, the Sam Cooke story, crossing over yeah. for American PBS. And I did that with uh, uh, John, my friend John Antonelli, and um, up in the Bay Area from uh, Mill Valley Films, John Antonelli and, and Will, Will P. So we did all that together. So. Uh, yeah, that was the second film. So that was the one that, that got a lot of attention also nationwide. Yeah, yeah that was yeah, powerful. Nationwide. Yeah, I saw that. That was because yeah. I love Sam Cooke. Yeah, oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah, 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 you can't help it. Now, I, I don't think we had met when you first um, came out with Dark Skin Girls. Dark Girls. One. Dark Girls One. And what brought that about? Because that that one piece. Man, I'm, I was probably in tears, to be honest with you. 
just because it resonated with me so being a dark-skinned African-American male, because there's a it, it's it's a different side of being dark-skinned as a male yeah. as it is being dark-skinned as a woman. Yes. And so, but it, and then coming from the South and dealing with that whole color issue, skin color issue, and and just the that whole thing, it, it, it really touched me. So how did that that project come into play? Um, Dark Girls won. Um, was produced and directed by myself and, and actor Bill Duke. Um, and we started that in the uh, mid 2000s. We started that. It finally came out, I think 2011, 2012, it came out. Um, and it premiered on OWN, but we did a tour around the country and around the world, actually. Um, we went um, other places to show it also, but it became a big hit. It was the first of its kind to tackle the subject of uh, colorism in the black community. Um, it came out of Bill and I, because Bill and I had grown up being two dark-skinned little boys and darker than most. And there was the issue of me never being um, attractive enough to to have a girlfriend or to date or be the one that was chosen because right. of, um, I was called um, I was called ugly or not attractive mm -hmm. and um, it did something to me psychologically it did something to me and um, I think Bill had the same issue you know um, he grew up in Poughkeepsie. New York and I, like I said, growing up in New Jersey. Um, but I wasn't the first or second or third choice. So being dark, we knew about it from an emotional standpoint and what it did to us from a psychological standpoint. And somewhere in the 70s, 80s, being a dark-skinned black man, man became the thing. Yes. You, know, you know, after I saw Richard Roundtree and Shaft and as my partner, Richard Roundtree. And then <laughs> I saw, um, you know, Wesley Snipes come on board, Eddie Murphy come on board, and they were being looked at as being handsome and, you know, um, desirable. Uh, yes. Um, that kind of opened me up a lot, you know. So it was, you know, those people like that, that, that kind of opened me up for it. But, but for women, it never opened up. Right. It always was pressure on sisters, you know, that dark-skinned women were horribly ugly and horribly attitude, you know, had horrible attitudes and da 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 da. And they didn't, and they always were fighting light-skinned girls because they were they hated the light-skinned girls because their their face, the hair, the eyes, and their skin complexion, you know, mm -hmm. they keep you closer to white, that sort of thing, yes. you know, hair was longer, you know, whatever, you know, but it was. But the historical thing, this thing, man, but it, all of that madness is not our fault. Right. It's the fault of the Europeans, the, uh, the Dutch, the French, the British, the Portuguese, and the Americans, some of the Americans, and who raped these captured Africans 
in the slave dungeons in Ghana, on the ships over here. And then when they were landed either in Brazil or the Caribbean or America, they were raped also. So you had these mixed children running around because of rape, not because of love, because of rape. And that's what started the whole thing. The house nigga versus the field nigga. Right, right. And I think that in that piece, you identified so many, touched so many people, definitely the dark-skinned uh, Black females in America and across the world. It's a global, global piece as we speak right now. But it also educated those people who you just identified, the whites, the European, the French, the Dutch, about the pain and anguish that they caused us in society and to a group of people that has perme permeated just up until this day right now. And some people still have that, that stigma, that identity crisis, that, that hurt, that pain from, those, from that situation and how it transpired. All of us, Joby, we haven't gotten away with it because you know what? It's still an onslaught of arrogance and ignorance towards mm -hmm. towards black people. Mm -hmm. It's still an onslaught every day. Could you? Could, they can't imagine what this feels like, right? On a daily basis, to be to be um, recognized and pointed at, and and you know, always talked about, you know, and negatively. That energy flowing out of our way, our way from them. Not all of them, because mm -hmm. not all white people are like that. And right. I say nothing. Don't write, write George. Don't write me. And I'm talking <laughs> about all white people. Right. Some. So just don't, don't, don't come at us like that. Correct. But the damage is forever going, ever coming at us on a daily basis. And the thing about it, George, which is so deep, we've never done anything to these people. Wow. But work for them and answer to them. We did everything we, we could to stay alive mm -hmm. in this country because we were brought here. Mm -hmm. Not, we didn't, we were willing to come to this and yes. be a part of this. Right. And they, what they did when they, when they brought us over here, they didn't break, they didn't bring the weakest. They brought the best, the smartest, the strongest. Exactly. So they got kings and queens and princes and princesses. They got the best. So they didn't bring, they didn't bring the weakest. They brought the best. Right. Best survived. Yeah. Some of them didn't survive Middle Passage. Many didn't survive Middle Passage. But the ones who did survive, this is where we come from. Yes. This is why we're still here. And this is why, this could be why some white folk have some fear and guilt. They may have not been a part of it today, but they have um, benefited from correct. us being. Correct. And they want to keep benefiting.
and and that's the part that uh, I see our younger generation really starting to take a stand and really understanding the things that you just brought out now from from all races to be honest with you because I think more people are becoming fed up with that old mentality and and understanding the 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 pain and and all the things that we suffer as black people and understanding that there has to be some reconciliation. There has to be some reckoning within yourself so that it doesn't continue to go forth. And that's that's one of the biggest things I see in the generation of younger people that are coming up. You see more ethnicities, more demographics of people fighting for equality than ever before at a, in, in the youth. They're not having it. They're not having it. They're not having it because they see this thing for what it is. Yes. Yes. They may not know the total history, which is something that is our fault. Yes. But they need to know the history mm -hmm. of why this thing is the way it is. Yes. Um, we had the benefit of dealing with the 60s. I had the benefit of dealing with the 60s and watching America burn for civil rights. Yes. And then asking black people asking for civil rights. And I'm like, well, that's pretty deep. Why were we asking for civil rights when civil rights is a, is a rights for all people? What we, what we forgot to do is ask for black rights. Absolutely. Should have asked for black rights. But you know, you know what it is? I, I look at it right now, George. There's a lot of um, talking at the side of your neck sort of thing by 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 by, by so many people. Correct. And what I'm going to call it what it is is, is what it is is called anti-black. Mm -hmm. I'm not using the word racism anymore. Right. It's anti-black. I need we need to pinpoint what this thing really is, because in terms of racism, you know, you're looking at you know, against da 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 da. -da. Now, is black folk being shot, lynched, hung, mm -hmm. dragged out? Uh, uh, on being told they're not worthy of this, being told they're not worthy. It's nuts. And this is based on a Christian society. Oh my God, yeah, definitely. You know, some people's interpretations of the Bible. It's been skewed for a long time. <laughs> it's been skewed for a long time, brother. And we, we, we know that when we you know, just follow some of the research you've done and see some of the the movies and documentaries that have come out before and the and the translation of what they say the Bible is to use it for their benefit to enslave us and enslave people. Sometimes you sit back, you are in shock that you could even interpret that and let alone believe it. And be okay with that. Yes. Be okay with that, and that's that's what's that's what was so appalling is the fact that it's the it's the um, the ignorance and the arrogance of it, the ignorance and the arrogance because of your fear, your guilt. Yes. Not my fear. Not my fear. Not my guilt. Yes. It's your fear, your guilt. You're yes. you're, you're afraid of, of of black people, what they may how they may retaliate. But the mm -hmm. thing about it is that what you don't understand is that we're not like that. We're not wired like that. Not even. A little bit, Chan. We're one of the most forgiving and loving people ever God ever created. That's right. And we have to be, or else this whole world will be in mass chaos right now. Right. Like it's never been seen before. Yeah. But we're not like that. 
Yeah. Um, so people want to take advantage of that. But, you know, I tell people, listen, sometimes, you know, you just need to sit back and watch and just listen. Some, some of this ain't your fight. Let them go amongst themselves and do what they do. But sometime, some, some of this is not your fight. Yes. Yes. You stay on the straight and the narrow. Correct. Being the person and the, being the people that God wants you to be. Mm -hmm. And that's being part of the healing process. That's right. All. Being part mm -hmm. of the healing process at all. Yes. Now, after you finished Dark Girls 1, then you had the brilliance to come out with Dark Girls 2. Bridge the gap for that for me and what that what led to that and, and what was the message to Dark Girls 2? Dark Girls 2, um, I did, you know, Bill and I went our separate ways. Bill went on to mm -hmm. do back to acting and some other things, and I kept on with my documentaries. Um, Dark Girls 2, I felt there needed to be, which wasn't in one, there needed to be some type of pathway to show healing could possibly look like for sisters. What does healing look like? What could it look like for you? And that's what part two is about. What does healing look like? What could it look like? So I, so I went around the country, around the world, interviewing women again, from America to Ghana to Antigua, uh, and asking them, what does healing look like? And what has you been, what's been your experience thus far? And how much things have changed since Dark Girls 1? You know, and I got some really deep and beautiful, some painful answers about it. You know, colorism still still exists on the continent. Um, you know, people are still bleaching on the continent, you know, still wanting to be a part of the oppressor uh, who wants you who, who, who really never respected you, they just take from you because of your riches, of your soul, spirit, and land, and intellect. But they, they don't want you buying their products. You know, they don't want you looking like them. So they, you know, it's, 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 it's all very interesting to me, George. It's like, you know, there's like this, this carrot that ding, that, that's being dangled uh, in front of women, you know, every season to this is the latest fashion, dangle, dangle, right. dangle. This yes. is the latest colors, dangle, dangle, dangle. This is the latest hairstyle, dangle, dangle, dangle. This is the latest shapes, dangle, dangle, dangle. This latest, you know, whatever, makeup. And then until recently, black and around the world have said, you know, enough of that. First of all, I'm not shaped like that. I'll never be shaped like that. Yes. I don't come from that. Sort of, sort of lineage. Um, I don't like those colors, and I'd like something that would fit my body, fit my spirit, fit my personality. And plus, I like the way my hair is naturally. <laughs> yes. If I want to braid my hair into a particular style or 
weird fro or whatever, you know? It's my prerogative. Correct. This is my this is my narrative. I'm taking the I'm taking all of that back because we've given so much away as black people, not just African Americans, as black people. We've given so much of ourselves away, expecting, you know, nothing but just to 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 help the world. And some people have monetized that for their own good. So, um, hey man, Dark Girls is all about the healing, what the healing could possibly look like for sisters. And God is in the healing business. Yes, he is. And um, he is. when he made you, he didn't make a mistake. Correct. You know, I love the fact that you said every project you do must end in healing. And that resonated with me really deeply when you first told me that. And in both of the projects, I saw some healing for the black male as well with how they saw the black woman. Because as the distortion came about through other people's eyes, black men got distorted as well in our image of what we wanted in a black woman and how she should look and how, what her appearance was. And, and sometimes we bought into that That's right. lighter skin image and that those, the, 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 the colored eyes, whether it be hazel or brown or whatever, whatever it was, we bought into it too. And we began to degrade our women or be, be, belittle the women who appeared, you know, in a darker form. And so I saw and I see just from speaking to people about both pieces is that now black men are beginning to see that beauty in a black dark skinned woman in a way that they've never seen before. So your pieces were instrumental, not just in helping black women or dark skinned women or white women understand black women, it, it's also helped the black male. Did you wow. know that it would have that effect as well? Uh, I was hoping that it would. Mm -hmm. you know, I, would hope, I was hoping that the sisters would, would uh, drag in their, their partners, their boyfriends <laughs> and their fiancés and their husbands to, to watch Dark Girls too, and say, wow. And especially men who have daughters, I think it has a profound effect on them. Yes. Uh, whether your daughter is dark in complexion or light in complexion, it, I think the film, if, if daddies are watching the film, it does have a profound, a profound effect on them. Um, because the thing is that we want all our children to be healthy, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And what everybody wants on the planet is just two things, love and respect. Yes. That's all everybody wants, to be loved and be respected. And whatever hue you are, whatever gender you are, you just want to be loved and respected. And you deserve that. Yes. Uh, you, you, you deserve to be open. <laughs> you, need, you know, you deserve to be accepted. Um, not everybody, but by the people who count. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like how you said that the people who count because it's never going to be everybody. Not everybody of, counts. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, cuz not cuz not everybody's on 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 the on the side of light. Right. Some people are on the side of the darkness. Mm. No, I'm not talking about skin. I'm talking about <laughs> I'm talking about the powers that be this the dark side and the light side. Yes. Of the spiritual world. Yes. And I'm on the light side of the spiritual world. And I'm not <laughs> on the dark side. Play over that way, because that's just as that's just, that's just as powerful as the light light side. Oh, absolutely. The light side always wins. Always wins. Yes. Yep. Wow. Now, you recently did a piece that I didn't have the pleasure of seeing yet, and I can't wait to see it. Um, but I would like for you to speak to it because I think that yeah. it's it, when it is aired or when it comes about that it, you know uh, that it comes out. And it was on the church. Um, <laughs> so now you got to fill me in on that one, Chan. I, I got to know because oh. I missed the showing of it. Yeah, you know what? It's it's a film that we're trying to um, get distribution for right now. It's called The Church House, Sexuality the Black Church. Um, myself and my crew out of uh, Tennessee, my producer and co-producer, Malisha Edwards and Carlton Davison, my, my uh, brother, Omega Sci-Fi the House. <laughs> um, we were, um, we worked together. I got, I had a great team of of uh, cinematographers and, and, and um, lighting people and audio people that just, just, just incredible. And, and two actors that were in, in, uh, in it also. Uh, but also, um, so anyway, it's all about finding how the black church deals with sexuality. And I'm not talking about just homosexuality, I'm talking about sexuality period across the thing. You know, from the pulpit to the pews, from the choir to the choir stand to the uh, piano player, <laughs> from the uh, pastor's office to the church basement. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, to the clubs on the weekends. Mm to uh, visiting Ms. Johnson's house and for dinner, but leaving with dessert. <laughs> you didn't go there. <laughs> What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> oh, man. Oh. But that's the way it is. Yes. <laughs> yes, you're right. A lot of people who grew up in the South, there were some things going on in these smaller churches. Women were taken advantage of, girls were taken advantage of, little boys were taken advantage of. Mm. Now, you know, in this documentary, I focus on the black church. Okay. But I begin but I begin with all churches. Oh. I talk to priests in the Catholic mm. Church. 
Okay. I'll talk to imams in in Islam, okay. Islamic faith. Uh-huh. I talk to uh, um, I talk to uh, women who are uh, uh, in other different denominations. You know, Chan. Before you before you finish that, there's something coming over your camera just a little bit that's covering your lens. Just there we go. Now we're good. Now go ahead, brother. I want to make sure yeah. we see that handsome face of yours as you. Very handsome. Please. <laughs> yeah. So um, in the Jewish faith, I, I talked to a, a female rabbi, and um, she gives me her point of view on how sexuality is handled in the. In their 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 religion, okay. so yeah. So I actually I started I started off with the history of sexuality in the churches, the okay. temples, the mosques, and um, then I go into the black church. Okay, because it's not only just up. <laughs> Catholic church is notorious. Mm. I'm just saying because it's out there. It, it, Catholic it, church is notorious for this. Right. You know? Of homosexuality and and um, rape, yes, of boys by priests, and I don't understand, you know, how it continues, but it does. And what which way is the world going when it comes to? this sort of abomination of the human body and human spirit, the abuse of the human body, the human spirit, what allows that to happen? And the trauma that these children have to go through, all children worldwide. Yes. Girls and boys, women and men who are being taken advantage of by people some people in the pulpit, not all people. Listen, once again, I'm not talking about all black churches. I'm not talking about all black preachers. And I'm not talking about people in the choir, all black people in the choir. I'm not talking about all black people in the I'm just saying some, not all. And I'm talking about all Catholic churches or all Catholic you know, institutions. I'm not talking about all of them. I'm talking about some of them. You know. So don't don't come after me with that. <laughs> yeah, so that's what it talks about. It talks about sexuality of and how black ministers and preachers and, and bishops feel about that, but also how the, some church members or non-church members feel about it also. Mm. So we're looking for distribution for that right now. It's different, man. It's different. Oh, and the music is done by um, uh, uh, Memphis Jelks from ah, Memphis. Yes, my uh, hometown. Memphis, I got Memphis in the house. And uh, also new music in, in the documentary from, um, you know, uh, how can I say this? <laughs> Public Enemy. Public Enemy. What? Yeah, Chuck D. Chuck D is one of my buddies. He, he threw down with it. So, Memphis Jokes and um, Public Enemy. Okay. 
So it's kind of a hip hop, <laughs> a little bit of hip hop in, into a, a, a black church thing. So, but as they say, it, it works for me. Right. <laughs> well, hey, we, we're definitely looking forward to seeing it. And I hope that distribution comes very quickly because I think it's something that, it, that the topic exists. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody really wants to deal with it. It's always been behind the closed curtain. If they, if it's, if it's rec recognized and found out about, oh, well, let's keep it in the dark, keep it in a secret so uh, no one else knows. But everybody already knows. Everybody George, knows. All like my, exactly. All of my films, George, are, they deal with the stuff that Black people don't want to talk about. Right. All of my films. The stuff I'm working on right now, they don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but I'm not <laughs> hey, so that's the story. Orders, if you got something you know that people don't want to talk about, call Chan. He'll talk about it and he'll bring it to light. I'm going to talk about it because <laughs> we need to hear. Yeah, we do. It's all about, yeah, man. Listen, I'm not, listen, I got more time back of me than I have ahead of me. And I'll be mm. damned. I'm going to spend it on stuff and people and events that don't mean anything. We have we have a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of work to do, George, in terms of the healing of us, yes. of our souls, of our spirits, of our minds. We have a lot of work to do. This is not a, this. I mean, this is not play time, especially for me. Right. Exactly. I'm trying to play. Wow. Well, brother, you know, hey, we're riding with you hard. We we I I, I wait for every project that you have coming up. I, I, listen. I remember when you had a birthday party a year or so ago, and I went to the birthday party. I'm gonna just show you what kind of man we're talking to right here. The man yeah. had a birthday party, and you would oh, think George. it was for him. That party was for every, and he was so gracious and just so kind, just to everyone. And look, we y'all having a party. I'm just here, you know. I'm just blessed to have everybody in the house. I'm thinking. Who has a party and has a party for everybody else but themselves? Dude, that's when I knew that we were going to be long time friends because your heart is in the right place. Your heart is in the right place. And I, I just want to hey, publicly thank you for that. Man, thank you, man. Thank you. It's my pleasure, man. It's not, it's not about me. It's about my friends and family, man. I have such a great, I mean, with you guys, I just, I just don't know what my life would be like if you guys were not in my life, man. I just, all my friends plus me. Mm. And I hopefully plus them. Yes. And I got rid of the people who don't plus me and I don't plus them. Ah, uh, say, say that fine. again, Chan, because pe now people need to hear what you just said right there, because that's a problem. If they don't fix that problem, yeah, I got rid of all the people who don't plus me, and I don't plus mm. them, and I'm fine with it. Mm. If people don't plus you, and you don't plus them, you get rid of them. You don't need any minuses in your column. We got enough working against us yes. to last of a lifetime plus. Don't <laughs> do that to yourself. Yes. Don't do that. If it ain't working for you, get rid of it. Whatever it is, people, event, family member, so-called family member, spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, <laughs> same loving person, whoever, whoever it is. If they ain't plus right. in your life, next, 
Next. 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 <laughs> Love you from a distance. Right. Exactly. Distance. But for right now, in this lifetime, I got what I'm supposed to get from you. I'm out. Peace out. Peace well. out. <laughs> okay. So I got a couple more questions for you, Chan. And maybe even a yes. couple more statements. First, is there, are there any new projects coming up that you you know feel open to share? Is that uh, with the audience right now, or there's some th things still in the working that just need a little bit more uh, nurturing and, and and growth before you bring them to the audience to to the public? I'm working on four projects right now. The latest one is called Francesca, which is a short dramatic love story that I'm shooting in. Um, as soon as I get this blessing, financial blessing, because you know, I'm independent, man. I, I gotta ask people for money. So, George, I was gonna call you up yesterday and ask you, could I, you know, at least from like, what, four, five thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars that you got laid around the house? I know. So, <laughs> so hey, fabulous. Paul, I, I'll ask you. I don't want to ask you in front of people. Right okay, now. I appreciate that, Chan. But <laughs> since since you brought the subject up, anybody that listens to this this podcast and this video, if you want to donate to my man Chan and his projects, feel free to contact me. I will more than happy shift all those financial goods because those stories need to be told. Hey, man, listen, this friend, this Francesca thing, man. This is the first dramatic, uh, romantic. A, a piece that I've done in over 40 years with actors. Okay. And it's it's a beautiful story that I'm shooting in Greece. It's a short three minutes um, love story. And it just, when I, I wrote it in 22 minutes, I wrote the story in 22 minutes and I, I was teared up writing it when I was 22 minutes. That's when I knew it was, it was God sent. Yes. So I've got, I've got a crew over there ready to roll in Greece. Um, we're casting Greece. This is the, probably the first time in the history of, of film that I understand that the African-American director, writer, and producer, and the male star is African-American, and the female star is Greek, and the, the cast, the rest of the cast and crew is 98% Greek. Wow. So um, this is a historical moment, man. So I'm really, really happy about it. So. We're looking for funding for that. That's the, that's the first thing, Francesca. Okay. Okay. The second thing is that the documentary we're working on that we have to finish up is called The Covered Mind. The Covered Mind, Mental Illness in the Black Community. Mm. And I started that uh, maybe a couple of years ago, talking to some of the best and the brightest psychiatrists and psychologists around Black about mental illness in the Black community. So, and I'm still working on that, that's, that's two. The third one is the, it, it just gets better with time, the story of uh, the whispers. Ooh. So we're working on that. And my, my buddy, um, uh, uh, Lionel B of uh, Bay Area Productions up in Oakland, we're working, we're co-producing that together, Lionel B and I, the whispers. And Scotty and Walter and the band have, have been so incredibly uh, giving their families, their friends, and everybody. Mm -hmm. So I can't wait to catch that up. And uh, um, then the fourth one is the, uh, it's called Ask Rufus. It's about the Rufus and Chaka Khan story. 
Oh, that's man. And um, we've been friends forever. Shaka and I have been friends since I was 16, she was 21. And um, that's a really great story. Uh, it's one of my favorite groups of all time. One of my favorite groups of all time. Okay. So that's what we're working on right now. Here's other stuff, you know, trying to get, to get done to. But those are the yes. four majors. Oh, man. Those are just those four long. You got people chomping at the bit right now, bro. I remember the first time I saw the Whispers, it was in DC. And at a little quaint club, I was two through fans for life. Man, that's some amazing, amazing brothers, man. Scotty and Walter and Lavelle and God rest, rest his soul, uh, you know, uh, Nick Caldwell and the other brothers who have passed away who are members of uh, the Whispers. Whispers are, 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 are it. Whispers yes. and temptations. Whispers, temptations. I'm good. Wow. I'm good. Whispers and temptations. I'm good. Okay. Now I gotta bring up this, your family, bro. You got the best family. Your wife is like, uh, out of 10, she's three tens. I mean, she's so loving, so kind, so giving. You got the two boys that mimic their father, you know, just in their generosity, their gentleness, their kindness, and the way they treat people. Bro, you, you have a blessed family and, and thank God I know them and I know you. And, and so I know family is important to you. First of all, thank you for saying that. And I am very blessed to uh, have my family. Very supportive, very loving. Um, it's deep. I really don't, it's just like your family, man. Your family's very close knit, very giving, very loving. It always shows. And um, it's a great, um, when I look at your family, I look at your family as a great um, workbook. Uh, of closeness and how a family should be. I don't know all the intricate details of the family, but from what I've seen and the people I've talked to in your family, especially your wife and your daughters and, and your son a couple of times or whatnot and the kids or whatnot, it's just, it's on point, man. It's on point. So it's a textbook uh, for, for, for family, not just the black family, but just for you know, and, and plus you, you guys lead with spirit, you know, you lead with and just humble and um, thoughtful and forgiving, you know, so. Thank you, bro. Thank I'm a, you you know, it's, a, it's very attractive. It's very attractive to know that that kind of power and energy exists in the black community because mm. it does exist. Wow. Now you just, you know, you broke me right there, man. I mean, I'm trying to, you know, give you some grace and some praise and you go turn it back on me like that, bro. I, that, that was, uh, listen, I'm letting you out of here, man, but you mess around here, me over here with some tissue in my hand, man. <laughs> that's why, that's why I like talking to you, bro. I tell you the wisdom and the things that come out of you and, and, and the kindness that you display. I see you, this is, this is not just me. I see this all the time. Every time I see you and how you engage with people and it's just, it's just heartfelt and it's warm and man. So the last question I'm gonna ask you, 
what makes you happy? What what is your happy place? And oof, I'm gonna leave it at that. What makes you happy, Chan? That's a tough one for me. Tough one. Music, I guess, is one. Art, being able to work every day makes me happy. But mentally, I haven't been happy in many, many years. Mm. To be honest with you, ever since my father, my father passed five years ago, my mother passed couple of months ago, a few months ago, I, I've been in a different kind of space. I've been trying to get out of it, you know, but it does rear its head up. Yeah. And I have to deal with the reality that, you know, you know, trying to find a happy space for me sometimes, especially recently, the last couple of weeks, it's been rough, it's mm-hmm. been rough. I deal with the memory of my parents. And when you lose a parent, it changes you. When you lose anybody who you love, yes. change. Um, I don't care what age you are. And the will you have, be it bad or good or indifferent, it, ch- it does change you. Yes. And to lose both of my parents um, at this particular time in my life, it has changed me. And I have been dealing with that, you know, trying to find out who I am and where I am now as an adult for real mm-hmm. this time. Yes. You know, I can't run to my father and ask him questions physically. Right. Can't call my mother on the phone and ask her questions physically. So all that's been moved away so then now the only person I can go to and this clear line of communication is God mm. Yahweh I thought that the communication between Yahweh and myself until now now it's clear that I have to call on people from the other side for help on this side. Straight communication. Yes. Ask for grace, protection, wisdom, because now I'm the oldest one, oldest male. Ah, I'm the last, I'm I'm the last line of defense. So my kids and my nieces and nephews come to me. So um sometimes it's hard getting to my happy place but i do find it i do find it and i and i will get better yes i'm in a happy place i'm in a happy place today yes. right now i'm in a happy place thanks to you thank you so much <laughs> wow you know what man my batteries is going to go out on my on my my, my computer I okay bro. hey you know 
that's okay, bro. I, I, I mean, you spend enough time with us today and I want to thank you for it. I'm pretty sure we'll get a chance to do this again. Yeah, and man, I, this is great. Yeah, yes. I, I appreciate you so much, man. I, I love so you, brother. I love you too and love your family. Well, we'll talk again, Chan. And uh, have right, a man. great rest of your day. And please keep pushing out the, the, the projects, bro. We're waiting on them. Keep on pushing. <laughs> Curtis Mayfield. Curtis Mayfield. Curtis Mayfield. <laughs> Don't hey, bro. Curtis. <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> Love you, bro. Love you too, George. All right, All right bro. Man. All right, see you.